Andy. Mm-hmm. Did you bring your swimming trunks? Hello, hello, hello. Um, yes, we're back. Hello. We're back. We're uh, back. We're here. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I, I think we should open with an apology, Andy. You apologise too quickly. Well, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, I do. But, you know, I'm, I'm the socially awkward one. Um, yes, we should apologise. So last week, it was going to happen. This episode was going to happen last week, but... Lots of drama and sickness and children and dentists got in the way, like, really quickly. So, um, thank that you for coming back. What? That weird dentist flash mob. <laughs> really dentist flash mob. Okay, as much as I hate to be distracted this much about two minutes into recording a dentist flash mob is possibly one of the most terrifying things i've ever heard yeah yeah they would get in the way though wouldn't they well i'd probably just run and cry and scream in the opposite direction i don't like dentists (laughs) and i've been twice in the last seven days life is going great your royal teeth still my royal tooth <laughs> still uh, struggling no i i i think it's fine now thanks so i had a crown fitted last week which basically involves lots of drilling lots of whatever weird flushing thing it is that we do and lots of putty and things being shoved in your mouth um i say crown fitted it was part one of the uh, process and that process in. finished with a temporary crown being fitted which fell out about two days later. Well, which broke at about two days later. So therefore I had to go back, which, yeah. Fun times. How, how are you this week? It feels like a long time since I've seen your um, face. Um, okay, I don't know yeah, how it's going to yeah. So I too had to get some dentistry done. I have a nice temporary filling in at the moment. After, Ooh. yes, much um, annoyance. And I, I mostly am living in fear that it's going to fall out. <laughs> as much as I'd like to be able to share life experience <laughs> with you that suggests otherwise. All I'm going to suggest, mm. all I'm going to say is, if you are a dentist listening to this, please remember and hear one thing. Jesus loves you. And if you could make the temporary bit of temporary less temporary, that would be great. Please. Yeah. And um, yeah, and we've had just interesting times. We've had very, very busy time at work um, and poorly children. And finally, some really nice spring weather. It's like spring slash summer has finally arrived. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah. I um, managed to uh, even get to go to the beach for work yesterday. So, you know, life's not that bad. Yeah. 
Wow. Okay. Okay. So <clears throat> this week, no, no, I'm not going to talk about this week yet. I'm going to talk about last week. Well, last episode. We have started a series looking at Bible characters who need new PR, so new public relations, new kind of a marketing team put in around them because we feel that they're, I don't know, what's the, what's the end of this sentence? Help me out. Um, so, they, yeah, there's a few people in the Bible who just get a particular slant on them reputation never goes away yes yeah so we had we had thomas who is forever known as doubting Doubting. thomas and you know what he was one of the original 12 disciples so there there must be something a bit more about him than he doubted you'd think and avarice going back over old ground you know he doubted some guy well, I say some guy. He doubted the ultimate miracle happening, and whilst anyway, yeah. So this yeah. week we are looking at Jonah, the classic Sunday school tale. Yes, and we all know what the lesson is to hear about Jonah, don't we? Listen, sinners in the sea. Did, sorry, did you just say throw sinners in the sea? I ask what you do, don't you? Like you throw sinners in the sea and then God takes a storm away and saves you. Well, <sighs> right, so to be perfectly honest, why, why, why can't we take that from the story of Jonah? Because that is blatantly what happened. You know, on one hand, you've got the Sunday school slash churchy teaching, which is blatantly listen to God first time or you become whale vomit. Yeah, but how is that any more Maybe true or less true than you know? Let's all go out to see and throw sinners overboard. I suppose the problem with that is what happens to the boats. That's true. Okay, so the least sinful person needs to be in charge of the boat and being able to get it back to shore. Yeah. So, so maybe the takeaway from Jonah then is. If your pastor announces that church is on the boat this week, don't go. <laughs> I'll take you some drinks. So <laughs> let's, let's 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 try and you know I, I I don't know why I'm trying to you know push us in a direction where we may have some sort of content because we do advertise ourselves as being as shallow as a no. As deep as a shallow puddle. Deep as a shallow puddle. Yeah. But, well, you know, we occasionally stray into something that could be considered content. So, (laughs) by some, probably not everyone. Okay. So, I'm going to steal a little bit of content from a book called Jonah Poets in Extremis uh, from Richard Littledale. I'll put uh, notes in, I'll put details of it in the show notes. And I think what he does here is that he very nicely summarises the historical interpretations of the book of Jonah. There are almost as many interpretations of Jonah as there are interpreters. To some, it is a straightforward tale. 
and they expend much scholarship on explaining its more miraculous elements through scientific means. Others struggle with those elements while upholding its kernel of theological truth. Still some others issue both theology and science and treat it purely as myth. Even amongst those who do not dismiss it as myth, there are people willing to interpret Jonah in is just about any way imaginable. In his commentary, Alan lists 10 categories of and I've lost my of literature into which it could fit, including allegory, parable, legend, novella, short story, and satire. Regardless of its category, imaginative interpreters have taken every element of this story and given it allegorical and theological interpretations. And it turns out I'm reading this from the screenshots, not the uh, Kindle app, which is tripping me up. <laughs> um, where, where have we got to? The hapless whale has been cast as everything from the devil swallowing the sinner to Christ providing the prophet's means of salvation. The sailors may represent the noble pagan or the church as an instrument of God's ch- justice. Even the worm who features later in the story does not escape the allegorical onslaught. To some, he is a devil's creature, discouraging and attacking the saints, whilst others identify him with Christ, who strips the sinner of his self-righteous protection and brings him to his senses. Meanwhile, the man at the heart of all this has been identified by some as the archetypical sinner and by others as a type of Christ himself. Passing through storms, trials and and a three-day stay in his watery tomb before emerging triumphant to conquer sin. The early church fathers certainly saw Jonah as an archetype of Christ, passing through many travels before emerging on the other side after a kind of resurrection. Centuries later, Augustine and others saw Jonah as a type of, of as a type of the stiff-necked and unresponsive Jew who stood opposed to Christ. When the Re- Reformation came along, Preachers like Calvin seized upon Jonah as the sloppy and and unwilling disciple who should serve as a lesson to the Christian not to behave likewise. Calvin also took great delight in the small details, repeatedly noting that even the worm came at God's behest. The gnawing even of worms are directed by the counsel of God. A scale of interpretation which which can identify the principal character with both Christ and the sinner will prove to be a slippery slope indeed. And I think he very much sums it up, you know. We've got some people talking about Jonah being, you know, the ultimate kind of sinner, or mm-hmm. yeah. I would add, or at the very least, the ultimate kind of Christian who strops at God, has a sulk, and goes and does his own thing. And we shouldn't be like that. We shouldn't be that person. And we also have people who kind of identify him as, you know, being some sort of Jesus version one, kind of Jesus the prequel. Yeah, yeah, feels odd, and already feels more complicated than "Don't be like Jonah, kids." Yeah, and we get caught up, I think, quite often in debates around whether it really happened or not, whether it's a true story, a legend, a myth, whatever other kind of literature you might want to call it and 
sort of feel like when we do that, we kind of miss the point. Because mm-hmm. it's like, actually, it doesn't, it probably, well, it probably doesn't matter whether it really happened or not. There's something we can learn from it. There's a reason it's there in the Bible, isn't there? I would like to think so. And with Jonah, at least, you know, he, he did go and do what God asked, albeit reluctantly. Mm. Which is more than a lot of us manage. That is, that is true. So he just he gets a bad rap, doesn't he? But maybe he's um, maybe he's better than we thought. And isn't there like a lot of historical context going on there as well? Which, whilst doesn't take away, I guess, from the core, don't be like Jonah kids it makes it a little bit more heavy, a little bit more understandable. So in our kind of, I guess, more modern sensibilities, when we talk about uh, pagan sacrifice and things like that, that's that's very abstract. That's very Mm -hmm. not of this century in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, certainly. And um, Devon, it, isn't something you come across that often exactly exactly but in jonah's time it was arguably you know something something a bit more yeah sort of physical sacrifices were the norm weren't they Mm. yeah they, they weren't i'm sure a lot of people didn't think they were very pleasant but gone and did it yeah and I guess my point being that you know there's a lot of stuff there which makes it kind of makes the water less clear so so instead of going okay I, I could either go here or go there either way going here or there there's a heck of a lot of traveling involved it's not yeah. just jumping onto onto the train to you know go talk to a few people in a city. It's a heck of a lot of traveling to get himself over to Nineveh. Rather than, I mean, admittedly, he went apparently he went the other direction, and uh, it does make it harder. Yeah, fish fish sick and stuff like that, and also also. We do occasionally make a thing out of, you know, Jonah's attitude at the end. Oh, what, with the whole um, plant that grows up over him, gives him some shade, and then it disappears and he gets angry again. Yeah, to be perfectly honest. He, he was there going, at the start, why should, it, why should I go? At the end, he's saying, well... It's all okay. Yeah. Was it was the point of all this? And I am sick and I'm smelling of whale vomit. Yeah. And there's sort of a bit at the end where it sort of feels like he only went so he could see God destroy them. Ooh. Like he wanted to see the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you say that actually? It's like, don't you say that he kind of took a space, like he 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 basically took prime position he just went and had a sulk didn't he or is it are you actually looking at your bible app as well yeah i am yeah 
Okay, yeah, we should probably... Quite a short look, isn't it? So, yeah, we can probably find it quite quickly. It's in the Old Testament, right? Ooh, yeah, somewhere in there, yeah. Yeah, so it sort of comes that the, the people in Nineveh believe in God, turn away from their sin. Uh, and it says, then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. And then verse um, five, Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. As she said, he sat down and he was there going, all right, God, where's the fireworks? Well, you know, if he had read his Bible, he'd know that there's a good chance he might get turned into a pillar of salt. That's true if he was actually looking. And yeah, but... Yeah, so my eyes have just um, landed on the last couple verses, uh, which are, but the Lord said, you've been concerned about this plant, the planet that he was kicking off over. Yeah. Uh, though, though you did not tend to it or make it grow, it sprung up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of, of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell the right hand from the left, and also many animals. Which, on one hand, is a very kind of weird way to finish the entire book. It feels like there should be more. But on the other hand, it um, almost feels like God's there saying... It's better PR, isn't it? Sorry? It's why it needs better PR and a better publisher as well. Yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, just even a little bit saying... That, that's the point. People in this city are worth more than this work, well, are worth more than this plant that just got eaten. You're quite right. If there's, sense, if there's a verse along those lines, then, you know, we'd probably be talking about what sort of great person Jonah was and how much he learnt and we should be like Jonah rather than, you know, the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely kind of, yeah, focus on not being like Jonah. And then um, I suppose at the end of the day, he did actually do what God asked him to do. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. I always wonder what he did next. Like, Jonah the sequel. Yeah. Jonah the even bigger fish. Jonah 2, back in the fish. That's the point. How did he get back? Did he make himself like a boat from the fish? Did he stay around Nineveh? Well, I don't, I don't think the fish took him to Nineveh. He, the fish spat him out somewhere, and then he probably went, where am I? <laughs> <laughs> he probably went, oh. <laughs> and and that's true, actually. The chances that the fish spat him out and he landed and saw a big sign saying welcome to Nineveh. Yeah, he probably had to walk quite a long way, so he probably ended up smelling of 
fish vomit and sweat. I feel quite sorry for, the, for Jonah now. I mean, it doesn't sound like a pleasant um, experience. So we are saying... We hope it actually didn't happen. It's just made up story. Indeed. <laughs> we are saying that... that Allegory or no allegory, we should look upon Jonah as a tale of a guy who, even though he probably stank, his skin probably stung a little bit, might have been a bit bleached, he was probably quite sweaty, he's probably quite tired, he's probably having nightmares from, you know, the storm and convincing people to, you know, yeah. throw him overboard. He still kind of a weird twitch right whenever he saw a sailor. What? Weird twitch whenever he saw a sailor. <laughs> Joe number weird twitch. Coming to Christian bookstore near you. Is that a place to end it? <laughs> I think we better had. <laughs> <laughs> and one day we're going to actually work out what we say during our outro. You think we might have worked it out by now? Nah. Apart from, you know, thanks for listening. Please find us on all the on all the outros. What? Please find us on all the <laughs> social medias, the messy pew at gmail.com or messy pew at, on Twitter. Yeah, and Instagram. Instagram. Yes, and Instagram. Are we on Facebook? I think we're yeah, on Facebook. Yeah, we're on Facebook. Yeah, if you search yeah. on Facebook on no, if you search for Messy Pew on <laughs> Facebook, <laughs> you'll find us. Yeah, yeah, and remember to subscribe on whatever podcast platform you like to listen on. Thank you for listening. Please join us again next time, and remember your soundtracks.